Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello and welcome back to another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by our Deputy Chief Economist, Oscar Way. Hey, everyone. Good to see everyone or talk to everyone again. We got a big update because we're going to talk not only about the first numbers that we've released for January of 2021 in terms of the market data, but we also have a pretty detailed update on housing affordability. And we've also recently updated our forecast. So lots of fun stuff to talk about. But I think the most fun is the fact that the market's still doing good, right, Oscar? Yeah, it's uh, actually a very a lot of good news. I mean, in general, good news about you know what's going on with the market, what's going on with the economy. Um, we just released our January's numbers, as you said, and it's looking pretty positive. A lot of sales happening. We're down a little bit on a month-to-month basis because we were at a 15-year high back in December, but 484, almost 485,000 units on an annualized basis is still uh, you know, well ahead of where we have been like the previous five years and even ahead of where we were before the crisis. Yeah, it's actually very, very strong, if not because of what happened in November and December, which both hit what for over 500,000. Right. This would probably be the strongest in the last, what, 14, 15 years. And, you know, I, I will have to say, you know, there is a, you know, a little bit of a reason why it actually slowed down a little bit. Uh, we, we smoothed out the uh, seasonality. Those seasonality right. is not exactly the reason. But, you know, remember at the end of last year, we did have, you know, an, a surge in a number of cases. That's uh, right. And so uh, usually we're talking about closed sales. So of course, during that period of time, maybe people didn't go out and, you know, open escrow or, you know, do anything, um, uh, check out new houses. So that uh, led to, you know, a slowdown in, uh, in sales, but not a whole lot. Right. And, and actually, when you look at it on a year to year basis, we're actually still growing at a pretty solid clip. I think in December, it was about 28% for annualized growth. And this uh, in, in January, this month that just passed, it was about 22%. But still, that's a, a pretty good head of steam that we're maintaining in addition to just being kind of at a, at a high level of sales. So yeah, it is. I mean, it's the third month with more than 20% uh, year-over-year growth. Yeah. And it's also the best record, you know, to kick off the year, like the best record in January uh, going back to okay. 2009. So wow. that's pretty, very impressive. Hey, best January in a decade. We'll take it. And I think, you know, that kind of <laughs> jibes with the anecdotes when you talk to members out there. That seems to be the the general um, vibe because it's 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 pretty broad based too. It's not just isolated to one particular region. It's not just these kind of smaller resort markets that were doing really well during the fall last year. It was pretty broad based. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, you you mentioned it, you know, very very uh, accurately. Small markets, obviously, there are some increase in sales, but the major markets are doing uh, very well as well. You know, I think uh, one thing that I want to point out is the um, the Bay Area is mm-hmm. actually very, very strong. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we are seeing, you know, some strong growth in price as well. Now, before True. we talk about price, I mean, of course, some of the reasons uh, behind such strong growth 
is because of interest rates, right? Right. Absolutely. So rates are still, um, you know, very, very low by by historic standards. And we have seen a little bit of an increase of late. I think the, the Freddie Mac number was up to maybe 2.81% or something like that. But, right. um, you know, from, from, from the standpoint of historical norms, they're, they're still pretty attractive. And I think the, the only thing, or maybe second place to really low rates is worries that, that rates might be higher in the future in, in terms of getting people off the, off the fence and buying. And I think that that continues to motivate good buyer demand that you see no matter what indicator, mortgage applications, PED form, showings, whatever. Yeah, I mean, of course, we can talk about, you know, we can talk a little bit more about interest rates, you know, when we talk about the forecast part of it, sure. you know, to see what the forward looking is. But if you look at the uh, you know, historical or what happened in December, what happened at the beginning of this year, even um, in uh, before mid of February, we had like really like very, very record low rates, even now, yep. as you said, you know, it might have inched up uh, and it could fluctuate, uh, you know, because there have been like we what we said earlier quite yeah. a bit of good news that actually you know pump up you know some of the uh, economic activity as well as well as you know some of the bond market activity so we're going to see some fluctuation in rates but people will try to lock in i think in december yeah. and in january and that's why we had you know such high level of sales in in um you know the last month or so Right, because sales in, in some cases are kind of that final uh, lagging indicator that right. finally kind of materializes what we had been seeing uh, with those very low rates back in in December. And so uh, with all that that demand, unfortunately, you know, not to, to ruin the, the inventory section, but it, it drove <laughs> a lot of price gains, right? Because we had not the highest price, but the most price growth on an annual basis uh, in, in a long time as well. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you tell me, if you were to tell me, let's say close to 700,000, because the January's numbers was uh, 699, close to 700,000. Right. If you were to tell me like five months or six months ago, that's not the record price. I'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, But, but that was not the record price. Um, But it still increased significantly. um, And it's a good start for the, uh, the beginning of the year. Of course, low interest rate play a part of it, but also I think the, significant uh, uh, supply constraint that we're experiencing is another reason why home prices got pushed up to such a high level. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it was double digit growth across the board. We did see, um, you know, even within county. So part of, you know, some might argue that it's because we had a lot of growth in the Bay Area or, you know, that uh, that we sold more high end homes. But even when you look on a county by county basis, you see that most counties posted double digit growth. And the other thing that I think suggests that, you know, we're, we're seeing really strong price growth, even outside of this kind of Um, technical mix of sales issue that we're talking about is that uh, on a per square foot basis, prices were also up by double digits. So, so I, I I do think you're right. It's a supply issue, but it's, it's really strong growth across the board, even um, within specific areas. And I think um, the, the tail of the tape is when you look at unsold inventory, right, which we don't seasonally adjust. And even in the dead of winter, still 1.5 months and just not a lot of listings out there. Now, of course, let's be fair. It did inch up and as far as the UII or unsold inventory index is concerned. It did inch up a little bit from December. Right. But if you just look at the active listings or how it compares to a year ago, it dropped another 50 some percent, you know, in, in terms of active listing compared to last year. 
and and just to uh, just to uh, uh, elaborate a little bit, right? We in December or in November, about uh, we track about fifty-one counties, you know, right. in, in our report. About 49, 48 counties were uh, down in listings in November and December. But look at you know the beginning of the year, January, January, all counties, yeah. including you know uh, what we had before was San Francisco and San Mateo. They actually increased in active listing, but those two counties at the beginning of, of this year also dropped. So pretty much so every across county across the board. Yeah, and I mean exactly. the, you you know big big percentages in terms of the declines, but also pretty um, significant in terms of the number because keep in mind that inventory was no picnic. Uh, at this time last year, right? In January of 2020, inventory was already tight. And so to have a 50% decline on top of that, to have every county in the state that we track, um, you know, dropping, I think that's that's really a testament to, um, you know, just how strong the buyer demand has been, right? Because we just continue to gobble up whatever listings come online, but also why um, you're seeing so much price growth. And that that is starting to become concerning because, you know, not as many folks are going to be able to get their foot on the property ladder. There's low rates. The economy is starting to come back and lots of people want to buy. And we see that. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you know, what, what we see is that the, they're starting to go to the highest bidder with inventory being so, so tight. And so, you know, that, that starts to become a concern from the standpoint of, of home ownership and just the broader economy. Absolutely. And, and, you know, of course, there are reasons for why uh, we have tight inventory or tight supply. And I think we have uh, speculated before about whether it is because uh, people are concerned about the coronavirus yep. not being able to put on the market or whether they just couldn't find a property. But it, when we take a, when we looked at, you know, the new active listings yeah. at the end of last year, we actually have on a year over year basis, a little bit more listings, let's say starting in October, November, December or so compared to the year before. So that's kind of suggests to me that, you know, people may not be not listing because of um, the coronavirus. But again, yep. at the beginning of this year, we saw a, a sharp decline. Maybe that was because of the lockdown. Who knows? Right. Yeah. And I think that these things happen with a lag, you know, one of the positive uh, signs and it's that we can't really celebrate too soon, but we did just get our uh, our new consumer survey where we talked to a thousand Californians and we saw that the percentage who thought it was a good time to sell a home was the highest that it's been uh, in a in a long time, I think, since we started doing the survey almost two years ago. So um, a little too early to tell if we're going to get those listings, but at least people are seeing the prices are going up finally. Right. So what we did was actually we split out, you know, the renters from the homeowners. Yep. And you're absolutely right. The homeowners part of it, it's actually the highest. Those, I mean, the people who are serious in selling their property definitely or think it's a good time. Yeah. Question is, of course, if they're also a buyer, whether they think it's a good time to buy, that might be the reason why, you know, some people are holding back a little bit. Yeah. But because of the supply issue, it also created, you know, uh, the affordability issue, right? that's, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. So, you know, and that's, that's going to be, I think the thing that um, both holds back the market, right. And we're going to show our, our updated forecast, which is more optimistic, but it's still not calling for 30% growth this year in closed transactions. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of supply, obviously, but more importantly, what supply does to affordability. And we also released our year end numbers 
for housing affordability. And even with those low rates, it looks like affordability got worse <laughs> at the end of last year. It did got, you know, quite a bit of a, a, a decline. If you just look at uh, the housing affordability number, it was in the third quarter, I think, um, 31%, meaning 31% of all households can afford to buy a median price home. Right. In the fourth quarter, it dropped four basis points from 31 to 27. But if you look at now, if you just look at, you know, how it compares to the uh, end of last year, yep. um, end of last year was also you know, not that high, like 31 or so. But if you compare sure. it to the beginning of the 2020, it was 35. So it dropped about eight basis point, which is kind of, you know, uh, pretty, significant. pretty significant. Yeah, right. Definitely. And and the and this increase you can you can attribute it you know primarily to uh, increase in price because from the third quarter to the fourth quarter we saw a surge in price. I'm sorry, from the um, from the fourth quarter of last year to um, uh, this, this the year. quarter of this yeah. year, 2020, it actually increased by 18 percent in price. So that's <laughs> right. significant. Definitely. And even as so that's that's kind of the problem is that we had, um, you know, rates that came down a lot. It really uh, motivated a lot of buyer demand, along with all those structural changes that we've talked about in previous episodes, our um, homes are more important to us than than ever before and all of that stuff. But then it really started to materialize into this double digit growth in prices, which actually is more than canceling out the effect of low rates. It used to be that um, right. the rates coming down were kind of cushioning the blow of these higher prices. And in fact, when you did the calculation in terms of a monthly mortgage payment, those were actually falling even in the face of rising prices there for a while because rates were coming down so much. Now rates, you know, they're still really low by historical standards, but they're no longer falling. So they're no longer kind of um, offsetting the the effect of these rising prices. And so, as you said, this 18% uh, increase in year over year prices starts to look more like the increase in the in the honest to goodness monthly cost of that home and therefore yeah. fewer and fewer folks are are able to get their their foot on the market and that was also a pretty broad based trend um, across the state as well yeah and it's pretty uh, pretty broad broad basis you know the right statement about 35 uh, counties actually yeah. dropped in uh, uh, affordability and that's uh, and that's probably, uh, you know, as far as the monthly mortgage is concerned, I think it started actually uh, uh, being higher than a right. year ago, maybe starting in about July, August or so. Um, so, you know, when we started seeing double digit gain in price, that's when we started seeing some decline in uh, housing affordability. Right. And we're not at all time low levels. You know, 2006, we saw less housing affordability, but uh, we're at the lowest level for this cycle since the housing <laughs> market started to turn around. So um, it is it is concerning. And, and especially um, when you look at kind of the income thresholds that that it takes, I mean, it's pretty eye popping. And I noticed in my media interviews lately that they're keying in on these minimum uh, income required numbers, because like statewide now you need almost $130,000 income to be able to afford that median priced home, which is, uh, you know, substantial to say the least, and also uh, a big increase even from where it was the year before. Yeah, what 130,000, that's pretty, pretty high. Imagine you know, the state household uh, income number is about what, 75, 77 or something like that, right? A lot so, of people not making that cutoff. Yeah. And, and if you look in the Bay Area, I mean, it's no joke. It's close to 200,000. 
Yeah, and and that's a significant increase from the year before. Yeah, up fourteen thousand from from the year before in the midst of a global pandemic, and so you can see that that is the flip side. Um, you know, of the of the home ownership coin, right? Because these represent great numbers for folks whose homes uh, have appreciated and they've accumulated more equity and really uh, benefited uh, disproportionately from those benefits of home ownership last year. That's what the non-homeowners are up against. And it's it's really stark when you start to drill it down into certain uh, communities, right? And so we know that we have a home ownership gap and we know that only 27% of Californians overall can afford the median price home. But if you start to divide that out by ethnicity, you can see the Black right. and Latinx households in California are, are particularly up against it when it comes to housing affordability. And that's something that we um, you know, want to continue to keep track of and that we put out in our, in our latest release. Yeah, it's actually our very first um, housing affordability by ethnicity um, that we just released this year and yep. will continue next year. Um, but you're absolutely right. And maybe just throw out some numbers. You know, when we take a look at using the same, um, using the, um, you know, the, the same median price across uh, different ethnicity, ethnicity group, we realized that, you know, for um, white and also for Asians, the affordability for the year to 2020 was uh, close to 40%. Right. But when you compare that to um, Lennox and also um, Black community, um, they're only half of, you know, the Asians and white uh, uh, um, communities, uh, only about 19% and 20% or 20% and 19% respectively yeah. for California. So it's just, you know, and, and, and that is the, again, the flip side of all of this, you know, phenomenal price growth is that, again, having a, a, an affordability index of 20, which is the, the kind of statewide uh, Latinx number or 19%, it means that, you know, 80% of the households don't meet that cutoff under these, right. um, you know, affordability calculations. And these are thought experiments, right? So we go through and we say at current rates, taking the median priced home, here's what the payment is. And if that payment is consuming the right quote unquote amount of your income um, that leaves you enough leftover for everything else, your taxes, your food, your transportation, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, how many people actually make that amount of money? And that's where you see these 19 and 20%, but it's um, even more dire in some of our uh, least affordable markets. And unfortunately that is uh, in many cases where most of the actual people in this state uh, live because it's it's even more dramatic, like um, Los Angeles, you're talking about 19% of Latinx and 17% of Black, and, and in San Francisco, it's even worse than that, 15% and 8%, meaning wow. that almost, um, you know, over 90% of, of the Black households in San Francisco cannot afford that median price home, and that is a problem for home ownership. It's a huge gap in San Francisco, uh, between, you know, white and, and black, uh, 35% versus 8%. I mean, of right. course, um, that's, that's significant. And it has a lot to do with um, the income disparity, you know, the right. income inequality between the group, just to, uh, you know, uh, look at those numbers, you know, for the state of California, for example, uh, for the household income for white is about 94,000. But for the Black uh, American, it's fifty six, fifty seven thousand. We're talking about a difference of thirty seven to thirty eight thousand in terms of income. Right. And just let's just use the same example that you use for LA. The difference in income is about forty one thousand ish or so. 
Yep. But look at the difference in, you know, between white and black and San Francisco. We're looking at yeah, 115, 116,000. That's the reason why we have the income inequality. Right. And the assumption that you, you and I mentioned earlier about logging in, you know, the interest rate, I mean, uh, people uh, uh, qualify for the same interest rates putting, you know, the same amount or 20% down payment. Right. I mean, honestly, in reality, that is not necessarily the case. Yes. And so the, the you know, the moral of the story is that affordability is affecting us all. Um, and, and housing affordability and home ownership are huge challenges in California in general. Um, but it hits, you know, our Black and Latinx communities, uh, you know, disproportionately hard. And so, you know, again, uh, there's myriad benefits of home ownership and all of our survey research, we still see that people want home ownership, mm-hmm. um, you know, but we have to do a, a better job of making sure that home ownership is uh, within reach because our market could be doing even better. And I think a lot of it comes down to um, supply, but I think, you know, there's also a lot of educational stuff. The other piece that we didn't talk about in our affordability release, but is there's also a lot of high income black and Latinx mm-hmm. renters out there. Uh, and we can do a better job of connecting the dots on, um, you know, what down payments are actually required versus the kind of myth of 20 and 30% uh, down payments, the benefits of home ownership. And there's, um, you know, while we work on these kind of income disparities, I think there's also uh, a lot of low-hanging fruit, shall we say, of, of, you know, high-income Black and Latinx California renters that could uh, make that move and be able to take advantage of home ownership right now. So I think we got to, you know, take a a multi-pronged approach to that. And I think that's one of the ways that we'll um, be successful, but you know, it's really comes down to this this environment that is just so um, strong from a buyer demand standpoint that really mm-hmm. behooves us to to get the supply stuff sorted out. Because you know, when you look at our forecast, we're more optimistic now, um, but not maybe as as optimistic as we could be. But one of the reasons why we're more optimistic, I should note, is because of the public health side of things. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, um, of course, we have been emphasizing on, you know, the coronavirus being the driving force or the determinant right. in, you know, what's going to happen in the economy and the housing market. And uh, we definitely should take a look at, you know, the coronavirus situations right now. And compared to, you know, our podcast that we did, uh, uh, what, a couple, a couple weeks, weeks ago, ago. Yep. things are actually looking up a little bit better. Uh, if you look at number of cases, number of um, deaths, and also, of, uh, you know, the positivity rate, everything seems to be getting a little bit better. Yeah, and I think even last Wednesday, we're recording this in uh, late February, like the 23rd, but I think the, the Wednesday, the 17th, we had just 4,000 new cases here in California, and I think even as low as under 100 deaths uh, at one point last mm-hmm. week per day, which is still too many, obviously, and 4,000 cases is still a lot, but compared to the 55, 60,000 um, spike that we had there during the holidays that really you know, started, I guess, honestly, ramping up probably in uh, early November, or I guess around the Thanksgiving timeframe and just really kept kept going right up through about mid January, but things have moved in the right direction. They've done so even on the seven day average. And so I don't know about you, Oscar, I went out and ate outside for the first time in months the other day. Yeah. Uh, we still wore masks and did all that stuff. <laughs> but man, I actually got out of the, the sweatpants and, and we ate some good food. And, and so that is, is a real positive. And, and it looks like we're starting to see more broad-based rollout uh, of the vaccine. I think your mom got her second shot too, right? She did. She did. And, and um, it, it, 
it, when you look at you know the how many people are, were tested positive, that rate is actually very very low. Um, compared yeah. to what you uh, what you mentioned like a couple months ago, it was like 14, 15%. And now, of course, it's gone down to 3.3%. And you're right, you know, a lot of people are getting their shots. My mom got her shots. And, um, you know, the rate that it's rolling out right now, of course, it's still going to take quite a, a bit of time. We're yeah. talking about, you know, uh, by, by July or Independence Day, we're looking at about 50% of the U.S. population get, uh, getting inoculated. But uh, it's rolling a little bit faster, rolling a little bit more smoothly than before. Definitely smoother than, you know, let's say a month, two months ago. Yeah. Um, so that, um, along with, you know, number of cases going down, um, of course, that will be uh, ho uh, hopeful signs that things are getting better. But I just want to, you know, of course, put it out there as well. There are things that uh, we still should not, uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we still shouldn't relax that much because of the yeah. uh, variant. You know, there have been a lot of new, uh, news about variants, so we still have to be very careful. Yeah. But that, along with you know the fiscal stimulus package that we are receiving or that we will be receiving, uh, make things look a lot brighter. Yeah, definitely. And we see that you know in in several of the broad-based economic indicators on the. The jobs front, right? We saw that the unemployment uh -huh. rate actually went down in January nationwide. We don't know what California did just yet. We still are, um, they're doing their annual benchmarking, so we're not going to get that mm -hmm. for a few more weeks yet. But uh, but even with this uh, tighter lockdown or when we kind of clamp down for the holidays and the face of this surge, we still saw the unemployment rate come down in um, in the U.S. overall, some of that's because people dropped out and got discouraged, right? right. Um, you know, but but we we have seen you know sustained progress from where we were uh, about midpoint of last year. We saw the consumer confidence numbers improved, and we I also know. saw spending improved, and those are two critical components of overall GDP. Yeah, and some of those numbers, uh, uh, retail retail numbers, of course, the consumer spending retail numbers probably factored in a little bit of the uh, stimulus that was passed right. at the end of last year. Uh, but you know, I think it will look a little bit better uh, going forward a little bit, uh, assuming uh, considering that we just uh, the the state of California just passed another stimulus package, right? That's right. Uh, that's going to roll out with uh, people getting a stimulus check of 600, 600 uh, per person for those who have income under 30,000. So it will continue to push the retail sales. And also, I think, you know, consumer confidence is on the upswing. It probably will continue to improve. Now, not saying that that is uh, still a high number because it's still below 100. Right. Um, and it does coincide with the number of cases because I think in yep. September and October, when it was above 100 for the consumer confidence, it was because number of cases were down. So right. if we expect cases to be uh, to continue to sl uh, slow down, I think consumer confidence will improve. Yep. When less people are getting sick and more people are getting money deposited in their bank account, that tends to uh, be good leading indicators of, of confidence. And so, you know, with the outlook for both of those being improved, we're expecting that uh, the broader economy will continue to improve, right? So we're uh -huh. uh, 
more optimistic that we'll get back towards strong um, spending growth, partly aided by by more government deposits in in the bank accounts that need them uh, most, which I'm fine with because you know ultimately <laughs> this is the time to uh, to put it on the the company credit card is when people are um, you know hurting financially. I like that there are means testing it that will bridge us, and then we can hopefully um, focus on tackling the kind of fiscal issues that are going to arise out of that on on the back end. But we're also going to see the labor market improve. And so we have, you know, more mid single digit growth for jobs and the economy uh, with with uh, not much inflation to speak of. What's your take on inflation, Oscar? I know that people had a recent scare with this surge in retail. Do you are you worried about inflation? Now, I'm, you know, I, I'll, I'll put it out there like this. You know, we are going to see a higher number than last year. That is yep. probably not a question. The, the question is, even with that slight increase in inflation, we were we were we were very soft last year. So that doesn't necessarily mean you know right. we are going to see a lot of inflation. I think you know in the bond market and the stock market, you probably see a lot of reaction, you know, fluctuations going back and forth. Um, so you you continue to I think you know we will continue to hear uh, discussions about inflation. I'm not too concerned about it. Um, obviously, um, we will see. You know, housing home prices will will continue to sure. improve, and that usually, uh, when people look at that number, they will see they might say, "Well, it looks like you know you have a little bit of inflation." Right. Um, but I think uh, to, in, in the California housing market, uh, part of it is also because of the mix of sales change. True. Um, so, what do you think the housing market is going to look like? You know, in twenty twenty one. Well, you know, I can say that we were surprised to the upside in 2020. The market finished stronger than we had initially projected. One of the reasons why we, um, you know, had been more pessimistic about sales wasn't because uh, of the lack of demand. We saw that buyer demand, and I think we forecasted the the you know, low rate to really help on that front pretty well. But uh, what was interesting was that it really just uh, did not, the lack of supply did not hold back the home sales. It just showed right. up as higher and higher home prices. And so I think that taken together with the strong January that we saw and just reported on, as well as the weekly numbers that show um, you know, solid growth still in, in closed transactions and mortgage applications and showings and PED forms and all of that stuff that um, you know, we're, we're more optimistic to see maybe something more like a double digit increase. We have 11.2% going up to almost 460,000 units this year uh, and, and more robust price growth following an 11.3% increase last year. We're going to grow by another 8% in 2021 up to about 712,000. And that will be um, another all-time high price, correct? Yeah, that is going to be an all-time high price. And um, just to add to what you just said earlier, I mean, part of the reason why we are being optimistic also uh, for this year, a lot, a little bit more optimistic compared to what our projection set before, was also because you know the stronger growth in the econ in the economy. Right. Obviously, you know we 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 did not expect um, at, uh, we we're going to have at least one more stimulus package right. um, from at the fiscal level that was not exactly <laughs> what we expected before. Yep. Uh, and also of the uh, fact that, uh, of course, if you have um, higher growth uh, in, in price, uh, we're gonna, it's going to affect housing affordability as well. So, you know, of course, in terms of housing affordability, we do think housing affordability is going to go down a little bit more right. than before, yeah. despite the fact that we, will, we do believe interest rate will continue to stay at a low level. 
Right. Um, yeah. It's just not going to cancel out the price growth anymore. And so it's going to sh- end up showing up as, as worse affordability. And so. Right. Now I'm not going to say it's going to be stay below three in the second half of the year. Cause no. I think, you know, the trend looks like it's trending up right now, but Hey, even if it's slightly above three, it's still at a low level. Yeah, I think 3.1, 3.2% is an outlandish to see at the end of the year. Um, but it's also important to, to kind of keep that perspective that those are um, very, very low interest rates, even, um, you know, any any other time, even like a year ago before the crisis, 3.2% was lower than what we were, you know, and we were thinking 3.5% was low. And so rates aren't going to be the thing uh, to hold us back. I think the supply is. The other thing is I that we, we should mention is that we got Prop 19 passed. That's true. Since we did our original forecast back in late September for Reimagine, and that should generate some more supply that will hopefully uh, unlock more home sales as as well. So there are several reasons to be optimistic that we might get more supply during the second half of the year, but uh, we still ultimately don't build enough. And and so that's why we're, we're looking at 11% growth instead of like the 30% growth that we've right. been seeing up to this point. And, and of course, you know, uh, 11% growth while the economy is still recovering. Hey, that's not too bad. It's definitely going to be the bright <laughs> spot of the uh, the broader macroeconomic picture. I think that's safe to say that housing will remain in that slot. So, well, did we miss anything important, Oscar? Anything that we should touch on that we didn't? I think we covered pretty much everything and we actually delivered a very positive message this time. It's good to have good news. It feels good, especially in this uh, time where we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but still unfortunately stuck in our home. So we hope this was helpful. We hope that you uh, continue to work hard. I think you can make a big difference individually by uh, generating that supply. You show those sellers uh, how favorable the conditions are and how much buyer demand is. You might see some of those sellers uh, get off the fence and boy, do we sure need that. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll leave it there for the next couple of weeks as things develop. We'll make sure you know. Um, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.